Welcome to Chapter 1 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Patrick Young, CIO at Lincoln Community Hospital and Care Center. In this segment, Young talks about the approach he took to get to know the organization and identify its most pressing needs, the three questions CIOs need to ask and have answered before starting any initiative, and how he's tackling the gargantuan task of consolidating onto a single EHR platform. Thanks again for taking some time to speak with us. I look forward to hearing about uh, what you guys are doing at your organization. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I can't begin to tell you how it's nice to be recognized, and especially it's nice to you know speak with organizations that are putting a spotlight on you know rural healthcare. We tend to be a, an overlooked, redheaded stepchild in the healthcare space. So, yeah. So to get it started, can you give an overview of Lincoln Community Hospital and Care Center? Um, what you have in terms of beds, long-term care, things like that. Absolutely, yes. So Lincoln Community Hospital is a critical access hospital located about an hour and a half straight east of Denver along the I-70 corridor. We have a 15-bed critical access inpatient unit with a 40-bed long-term care unit that's actually, you know, attached to the facility. Uh, we started practicing medicine um, in 1959, received the critical access designation in the early 90s. In terms of demographics, our patient population is about 10,000, but we actually service an area that's larger than the state of Connecticut. So um, we have patients coming to us from far and wide, and I, I feel like we're a pretty crucial care provider for our patient population. There is only one other hospital between the Kansas State line and Denver, so if we weren't here, I feel like people would have uh, quite a bit more issues getting care than they do now. We do have four primary care clinics that are located also along the I-70 corridor in three other small communities. Most of those are staffed by uh, mid-level providers, but we do operate under you know, one uh, supervising physician. And we do have a, a very robust rehabilitation center. We offer rehab services along with primary care in all of our clinic locations. And we actually have a pretty renowned behavioral health service line offering. Um, it's something that it's one of the things that we're known for. All right. And is the organization independent or do you have any affiliations, anything like that? No, we are 100% independent. We uh, have a board of directors uh, that are appointed by the community. And our independence is one of the things that uh, we're very proud of. Um, yeah. You know, in the last couple of years, 86 critical access hospitals have closed, and we're proud to say that we're not one of them, and we would like to maintain our independence as long as we can. It is the vision of our board. It is the, uh, the desire of our community members, and it's something that uh, we're going to do everything we can to kind of maintain. Right. So we're, we're going to get into some of the, the things that your team is working on, but for a little background, you've been with the organization for a little bit over a year, right? Correct. And... As far as like how you approach this role, you know, going to uh, a new organization, what did you do to kind of, uh, you know, get to know the team and, and get to know the organization itself? Well, I, I actually had the opportunity to work with the organization. Um, prior to coming here, I was the director of IT for the State Office of Rural Health. I got to provide consulting services across a wide spectrum of, of IT-type activities for up to 18 hospitals. Um, so when I came on board at Lincoln, I, I actually already had the pleasure of knowing most of the staff members by name. I had been working with them for about a year and a half. But when I came on board full-time, I, I kind of reapproached the role the same way I do with pretty much a, a, any other train of thought. Everybody that I meet, there's always something that they can teach me. Um, doesn't matter if they're the CEO of the organization or, you know, like a housekeeper. I feel like I can always come in and learn something from somebody else that I don't know. 
So when I came on board, I actually, uh, within my first two weeks, I did nothing but go around and sit down and do one-on-one interviews with all of the department heads to kind of talk to them about what their perceived challenges were as they related to IT, and then how any of those challenges may prohibit them, you know, from moving on with their day-to-day workflows. It's always a strategy of mine to try to align as, as closely as I can the IT initiatives with the overall initiatives of the business. And without really understanding what the end users were dealing with, I was just making an awful lot of assumptions, which don't usually go across all that well. So a lot of just one-on-one dialogue um, and then just uh, um, open lines of communication moving forward. It's key, regardless of who you're speaking with. Right. And then once you were able to have those discussions and do a lot of that research, what did you consider to be your first priorities in the role? Well... (laughs) Uh, first, it, it was putting out those initial fires. Um, you know, any uh, any initiative or any problem that directly prohibited or inhibited uh, patient care rose right to the top. We had some issues, like the first thing I noticed right off the top, we had a couple of interface problems that would stop our uh, radiology images from reaching a third-party radiology vendor. We don't have any on-site radiologists. We're a, a level four trauma center in the ED, and without being able to have those images read within a timely fashion, even though patients could come into the ED, we were in essence sitting dead in the water. So starting out with those patient-related issues first, and then it kind of moved into more of the, uh, the fun stuff for me. Um, I actually had an opportunity to interview, you know, the on-site IT staff when I came on board, and our disaster recovery and backup solutions were uh, rudimentary at best. Literally, the the disaster recovery plan of the facility was if there's ever a fire, if there's ever a tornado, we're going to drive into the data center. We are going to grab this physical piece of equipment. We're going to put it in the back of our car and drive as fast as we can in the opposite direction. Um, So as with anything, healthcare IT, it's like hitting a uh, moving target with a bow and arrow from a 1,000 yards blindfolded. So those key initiatives change all the time. I ask myself the same questions with every decision that's made. How is it going to affect the patient? Does it align with the business? And can we afford it? So if I can get a yes to those three questions or at least prioritize and get an answer to those three questions, it allows me to put it into my quadrant of responsibility. Right. So, Certainly. Certainly there's a moving target in <laughs> IT. Now, in terms of the EHR, what, what type of system are you using? Well, considering we are as small of an organization as we are, um, we actually have four. We have four different electronic health records, and none of them natively speak with one another. One of the big key initiatives that we have right now is actually consolidating all of these EMRs into one enterprise solution. Um, We're actually uh, going through the selection process right now. We've narrowed it down to two vendors, and we'll be going live with an enterprise-wide system no later than Q2 of next year. One good thing that we have been able to do, even with the four disparate systems, is all of those systems are now hosted in SOC 2 compliant data centers um, across the country. So I actually don't have any patient data living in my data centers. Um, I I feel like that was a a big win for us. But regardless of what we choose moving forward, we're going to be better off in terms of having, you know, one patient, one patient chart, and, and having just a more robust system altogether, trying to get rid of a lot of those workarounds. Right. And I imagine that this is something that you knew going into the role that this was going to be a priority. Absolutely, yes. Um, That was one of the big reasons they brought me on board. As with most rural settings, I'm sure as you've kind of gotten a chance to speak with other CIOs from across the country, you find that talent in rural areas is something that's always lacking, especially in the IT space. I mean, it's hard enough to get providers and doctors to come out to rural America. There are grant programs and, and, you know, repayment uh, forgiveness programs that will help attract talent in that regard. But when it comes into IT, 
you know, the higher paying jobs, the, uh, the better opportunities are generally located in your urban areas and they tend to attract the cream of the crop. So that was one of the big key factors of bringing me on board to consolidate the electronic health record, to improve the patient experience and to shore up the revenue cycle processes, which having four disparate systems never, never makes up that all that easy. Yeah. And I have a, a history of electronic health record implementations. It seems like everywhere I go, that's one of the first things I usually have to tackle. Um, yeah. A colleague of mine always jokes, and every time I step into a role and I, I, I find that an implementation is on the horizon, some of his words come back to memory. It's a, the road to hell is paved with conversions. Um, <laughs> they, they are not easy, but uh, it's, it's a necessary evil nowadays. Right. Uh, you just hope to make the right decision so that you, you can prolong the next implementation as long as possible. Right. And, and I'm sure that it's different everywhere, but it doesn't really matter that the size of the organization, it's never an easy decision because you have to factor in so many different people, many different components. So I'm sure that having that experience has really kind of helped you in leading this process. Um, it, it, it does. You know, uh, change is never easy and you know, change is scary. I suppose the, the more implementations I've done, it has helped in learning what questions to ask. And, you know, kind of helping to differentiate between a, wouldn't it be nice to have this versus a, we absolutely cannot do business without this. Right. As with any selection, the, the end user experience is, is one of the most heavily weighted factors when making that decision. But you can't necessarily make the decision just on how the end user is going to use the system. Is it going to work for us? Are we going to be able to implement it? What's the proven track record of the organization you're going to be looking at? Um, what's their long-term viability? Can they help me with the problems I'm dealing with right now? But do they also have the resources in their organizations to have their eye on the horizon to tell me the things that I don't know? There, there are a lot of components, but it, it does help with learning to know what questions to ask and to help reassure people, hey, we've done this before. We can do it again, and it will be okay. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that definitely makes a difference. <laughs> it sounds good anyway. <laughs> the, <laughs> right. So once that final decision is made, um, it sounds like you're going to have to pretty quickly uh, start ramping up the deadline. Correct, yes. You know, we're going to give ourselves as much time as possible to do the implementation. We want to make sure we do it right and not just fast. But with that being said, you know, there are always those, you know, regulatory issues that are kind of, you know, forcing your hand. You have to have certain functionality in place in order to meet those and, you know, avoid the subsequent penalties in, in you know, future years. Um, but yes, we we plan to do an implementation within 12 months of signing a contract, which should give us plenty of time. You know, we're, we're right now we're kind of identifying those key components that are super users, the, um, you know, the critical pathways that we need to make sure that you know the implementation is done and that we uh, are able to do the implementation without hiring additional staff. That's always a, a worry. Um, you know, there's there's a hospital to run, there are patients to be seen, and, and a lot of the implementations, even if the vendors willing to own, you know, a, a large portion of that it still does require an additional 25 to 40% of your staff time to, to, you know, kind of get the build done. So there's a, a definitely a, a tightrope to walk. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.